So welcome. This is part two of lesson 39 in the series, The Gospel According to Moses on the Book of Exodus. And this session, part two, I say it's got everything to do with the heart, glory, and to know the Lord. You'll see what I mean as we get into this. Now, we left off in part one when we were reading verses one through four of chapter 14. I want to return to verse four. In verse four, it says, again reading from the New American Standard, Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now, again, we have dealt with this in the past. Uh, you already know that I have a couple of videos out that deal with the fact that God did not harden Pharaoh's heart. There are three distinct Hebrew words that have been translated to one English word, harden, and it just completely gives us a confusing look, a limited look as to what God really did. Now here, God did not harden his heart. The Hebrew word is kazakh, and the Strong's number is H2388, and kazakh means to give courage, to make something strong, kind of to lift up, to make somebody brave. Why? Now, we already know what's about to happen. Pharaoh doesn't. And that's the luxury we have in reading the Bible. We know it's about to happen. God wants Pharaoh to have his army and his chariots to enter the sea after the wind dries up a path with a wall of water on the left and a wall on water on the right. And if it was me, I wouldn't do it. I'd see the miracle and I'd see these walls of water on the left and right, the turbulence and the chaos, the unexpected idea that when is this thing going to fall? But the Egyptians did. Wait till you see this. As we're going to see, they didn't hesitate. They rushed in. And me, when I think about it, how could they? This is God's work. They knew that something amazing happened when the sea split. However, what did they see? And God gave them courage. And remember, he didn't give courage to his heart. Heart is a way in ancient literature and in those ties of describing the mind. He convinced him mentally that this would be a good idea to enter this awesome valley of the sea that has opened up. Perhaps there's an answer of how God perhaps gave Chazach courage to Pharaoh's heart, to his mind. We're going to take a look at that. Now there's a second piece of this verse where it says, I'll be honored. Very fascinating, again, because when we get to the Hebrew, the Hebrew word is kavod. The Strong's number is H3513, and it really gives us a picture to make heavy. This is the same word for God's glory. It's the same word 
when it says in the Ten Commandments that we're to honor our parents, we're to treat them as heavy. God has heaviness. It's the same word as his glory. It's the heaviness of God, the weightiness of God. We might say it's his importance, his exalted status, his overwhelming power. God is saying that my importance, my awesomeness, my position as the only God and the God of the universe will be made manifest. It will be seen, it will be experienced by the Egyptians. Then going on in verse 4, it's going to talk about then all Egypt will know that I'm the Lord. The Hebrew word there is yada, translated into the English as no. Strong's numbers H3045. And yada, to know, is a lot different in terms of the picture that it gives in understanding the Hebrew. Now, for instance, here I'm in the Israel room here for Light of Menorah Ministries uh, in my <laughs> podcast studio, and I know that right to the left of me is a lamp, and I've got the lamp on. It doesn't really affect me, but the lamp is there. I know that. I also know on the right-hand side is my drink. I have something there to quench my thoughts. I, I, I know that, but this yada is different than that. Genesis chapter 4, right at the beginning, it said that Adam knew his wife and they had a child. Knew? Yada is a knowing by experience, by living it. So indeed, Adam did know his wife sexually and they had a child. This is knowing by experience, by living it. Yes, the Egyptians, they're about to see God's awesomeness made manifest before them. They're going to live it. They're going to experience it. They will experience his inconceivable and incredible power. <laughs> it's it's going to be a tough way for them to know Yada Adonai. Indeed, Dennis Prager has a cool insight into this. And again, he has his Torah commentary. He taught Torah for 25 years. And once again, I really appreciate Dennis Prager with regards to uh, his helping us go into the Hebrew. And he, he wrote his books. He did his Torah study for Christians as well. We, we share the same book. We share the same God, not the same Messiah. And he's got a cool insight in his commentary. He said the Egyptians, they just went through ten plagues. <laughs> and here in, in verse 4 of 14, they still don't have Yada with Adonai. Th this makes sense. It gives credence to the fact that all of a sudden, Pharaoh said, let's go chase after them. H hadn't you have enough, Pharaoh? After ten plagues, the Yada in Adonai was not established. So let's continue. Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 12. 
But when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his heart's servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, not change of heart, it's a change of mind. You see that? And they're convinced to go. In other words, they're convinced to see what's going on. They're, they're trapped by the sea. Let's go do this. Let's go get them. Let's get our slaves back. The yada, to understand who God is, is about to take on a new perspective. So a change of mind toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all, all, over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Now in verse 8, we have Kazakh again. God did not harden Pharaoh's heart. He gave him courage. This is a setup. He's trying to do everything he can from his perspective, not to take Pharaoh's free will away, but to, in other words, to encourage him, to give him sense to look at these facts, to give you some overconfidence. But how? What facts did God use to convince Pharaoh to enter the Dead Sea or the, or the valley of the sea? after the miraculous separation. Now, one of the things that's going on is Pharaoh sees that the God of Israel, not the God of the universe, he didn't recognize that the God of Israel is the God of the universe. But he said, this God has got them trapped. They're in the wilderness. The reason being is the God of Israel took his people and led them into chaos. The main job of Pharaoh is to prevent chaos and to maintain order. Order is called ma'at. And a physical description or a physical picture of chaos in the Egyptian mindset is the wilderness, is the desert. And in Pharaoh's mind, consists, since his job, his main function as Pharaoh, is to maintain order and maintain ma'at. He's got to be looking at the God of Israel as weak and a God who doesn't understand. Why would you take your people into chaos, into death, into a place that's not conducive for living? So indeed, we already have some facts. Facts that convinced Pharaoh, let's go get them because this God of theirs must be weak to take them into such a position. Verse 9, did the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hayaroth in front of Baal-Zephon. Wait a minute, we're back again at Pi-Hayaroth. This is the location that we read about in the papyrus of Anastasi that we mentioned in part 1, where this mentions Yom Suf. In other words, the Sea of Reeds. It's the location of ancient lakes, plus today, the large bitter lake and the small bitter lake, right there in the northwestern area, the northwestern, far northwestern area of, of the Sinai Peninsula. 
and it's real right near the area of Ishmalia and the Suez Canal. So we have real ancient documents as a primary source, indeed, that suggest and help us with the fact that there's, there's a lot of issues with some of our notions of Mount Sinai and its location and so on. And we'll deal more with that once we get to Exodus 19. We continue reading, we get, As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. So we go to verse 10, and they cried out to the Lord. And the Hebrew is, Ve'yitzahu b'nei ve'Israel. Al yudhe vavhe, Adonai, Yahweh. The Hebrew word there, cried, is tsa'ach. Strong's number is H6817, and it's a shriek of terror. And we say, wait a minute. We remember something. We go back to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Here the Hebrews, they're enslaved, and all of a sudden they cried out. It doesn't say cried out to the Lord. It's very clear. They cried out, and they cried out to no one. The Hebrew word there is za'ach. Strong's number 2199, H2199. And za'ach is a shriek of terror. It, it's a desperate cry. It's a cry of the hopeless who see themselves in just a situation that is beyond, beyond their capability of living through. At that time, they had assimilated into the Egyptian culture. We talked about that in earlier lessons. So they cried out to no one. But now, in verse 10, they cried out to Yahweh. They cried out to Adonai. They cried out to the Lord. Remember, Lord, every time you see that in your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, Lord is a cover word for the actual name of God that appears in the original Hebrew, yud heh vav -Hey, that I pronounce Yahweh. So we talked about yada, experiential knowing. Yada is, again, living with God, being with God, trusting in God and seeing him act and work. He shows his kavod, his heaviness and awesomeness. The Hebrews lived it. They lived it and they attained some yada with him. They had a lot more to learn. Now for us, we remember Jesus' words. As we go to Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it's for us too. It's more than knowing facts about Jesus or believing that Jesus is the Son of God. No, this is yada. Knowing him by truly living and trusting and experience Jesus. 
And since Malachi 3.16, it says that I, the Lord, will never change. Jesus is God. He will show us his kavod. He will show us his glory. Verses 11 and 12 in chapter 14. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now it's very interesting, back in verse 8, it talks about the fact that Israel went out boldly. And when we actually study the Hebrew, that Hebrew word is with courage, with bravado, um, uh, with confidence. And look at this. Verse 8, now we come to verse 11. Okay? Verse 10, actually, where the, the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. In two verses, it shows that their relationship with God, their yada in him, was not at the point where it should be. Because again, they went out boldly. The Hebrew word is uh, the Hebrew is beyad rama, with a high hand, a raised hand. Now, one of the things that we might say is their faith must have been weak. But let's not be too hasty. I want to go into Dennis Prager's commentary and his thoughts with regards to exactly what's going on here in verse 12. So, looking at Prager's The Rational Bible Exodus, his commentary for chapter 14, verse 12, he states, The Israelites claim that they would rather return to slavery than confront the Egyptians in battle. This, to be fair, listen to this, is understandable. Most people would rather be enslaved than dead. Most, but not all. One of the most famous statements of the American War of Independence was that the American patriot, Patrick Henry, says, Give me liberty or give me death. His attitude is the antithesis of what the Israelites are saying here. But it helped make the founding of America possible, as well as the liberation of Europe. But the Israelites' statement made it clear to Moses that they so valued life that they would be willing to return to everything they endured in captivity, even the Egyptians seeking to murder all their newborn males in order to avoid doing battle with the Egyptians. And that makes sense. They had assimilated into Egypt. They were familiar with Egypt. And God had taken them into chaos? The, the Hebrews knew this. They're in chaos. They're in a place that's not conducive to good living. And remember that this whole concept of maintaining order and preventing chaos is so critically part of the ancient Egyptian religious mythology. They're simply just like us, you guys. They're just very familiar, very familiar with Egypt. And they have not established that deep 
intimate relationship with the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the Creator God, the God of the universe, to establish Yada, just like Jesus wants with us. So we're going to go into part three. And in part three, this has everything to do with how does all scripture testify of Jesus. We've already seen it here. When Jesus talks about the fact that I never knew you. And God wants the Egyptians to know him. He wants Israel to know him. A deep, intimate, experiential knowing of the Lord our God. We're going to see this in dramatic fashion as we enter into part three of Exodus 39. Until then, Shalom.